Well, in my right hand, I hold a relay race baton. And if you didn't recognize it at first sight, you're probably like me. I didn't recognize it when I saw it first either because if you don't know this about me, I don't do too much running. Um, in fact, I, I only run when I'm being chased. That's kind of my plan for running. But I have this up here with me today because the idea we get from Scripture about fatherhood is that we are all supposed to receive a beautiful baton from our Father. And as he passes it to us, we're supposed to enjoy the time that we get to run this race of life with him. And then at some point in life, we are then going to take the baton from our father and we're going to pass it down to our kids. And then our kids are supposed to pass that on to the next generation and the next generation and so on. But the fact of the matter is, is there's many of us in this room today, many of you here today, that the baton you received from your father is a broken baton. It's a little beat up, a little damaged. And now we find ourselves in the time of life where it's our turn to pass this baton on to our kids and we say, well, this is all I've got. And I don't want to pass this on to my kids. But I want to commend you, uh, fathers, in this room today because I've seen so many of you step forward in incredible courage and incredible uh, uh, commitment to God to say, you know what, I, I received a broken uh, I received a wounded, I received a hurt baton from my father, but, but I don't want this to be what I pass on to my kids. So you go before your heavenly father and say, God, I, I asked you for something different. I don't want to pass this on. I don't want to pass something negative on. I want to pass something good on to my kids. So will you give me something different? There are many of you that have surrounded yourself with other people and, uh, and trying to gain the support that you need so that you can pass on to your kids something different. In fact, many of us could pass around the microphone and give stories about the fact that we've seen that there's been things that were passed on through our families generationally and, and somewhere along the line someone said, no, I, oh, we're going to stop. We're not going to pass this on to our kids. The buck stops here. It's not going to go forward. I, I don't want to pass anything negative on to my kids. And there's been uh, people who have said, you know what, uh, finances have been mishandled in our family and we've been so stressed out because of that and we're not going to do it the way they used to do it. We're going to do it God's way. We're going to get a new baton from God and do it differently. There's people that said, you know what, there was drug addiction, there's alcohol addiction, all sorts of stuff like that going on in our family. We're not going to pass that on anymore. In fact, this has happened in my own family. Uh, my grandfather, who's my father's father, I used to call him Grandpa Hooper when I was a little boy. Uh, he's gone to be with the Lord uh, years ago. But my memories of him is that he was one of the most encouraging, affectionate men I have ever met in my life. And he, he would grab me every time I saw him. I was just a little boy. He'd grab me and give me a hug and kiss me around right the forehead. And he says, do, do you know your grandpa loves you? I love you so much and I'm so proud of you. And I remember he just pour into me that way. And I saw that he did that with my father and, and he did that with my uncles and my aunt. And, and you think, what a wonderful legacy. He must have received that baton from his father and he's passing it on. But the truth is the opposite. In fact, my, grandpa, my grandfather, to the best of my knowledge, never heard the words, I love you, from his dad. Never heard the words, I'm proud of you. Never received a hug, never got any sort of affection. And, and as my grandfather grew up and he was a young man, he came into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And he asked Jesus to forgive him of his sins and, and, and to save him. And, and now that he had a relationship with God, he began recognizing God's love for him. And God was pouring out affection towards him and showing him all throughout his word how much God loves him. And he said, he finally said, you know what? God, I don't want to pass this broken baton on to my kids. And I want something new. So God, can you help me pass the baton of affection on to my kids? Can you help me pass the baton of love on to my kids? And we see that my entire, my father's entire life that he got to spend in this, this race with his dad, that my father every day of his life heard, I love you. Heard, son, I'm proud of you. He received big hugs from him every day. And he then passed that baton on to me and Amelie and I are doing our very best to pass that on to our kids. See, no matter what the background would be from your family, what we all need to understand, not just as fathers, but as parents in this room, is that we pass stuff on to our kids. Whether or not we want to, we pass things on our kids, good or bad. Exodus 25, verse 5 says, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation to those who hate me. And then it turns around and he says, but showing love to a thousand generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. So here the Bible says that for those who hate God and, and, and don't obey him, don't follow him, don't trust Jesus. He says, I, I will punish the sins of the parents to three and four generations. This is where the Bible explains to us there's something called generational curses. And see, the medical field and the science community, they, they, they try to theorize it in different ways where they say, well, there's certain things that are just genetic, like there's certain addictions that might, might just be genetic or something. But long before people started trying to study it from that side, God said it's very clear, um, this, it's a generational curse. It was a sin that was in one generation, and because they didn't turn to me, they didn't repent, I, I'm allowing it to pass to the next generation and the next generation. And then we see the incredible heart of our God, because it's not, he's, he's talking like, I'm I'm going to allow curses to pass for a couple generations. But he said, but there's a better way. There's a different way. You don't have to pass curses on to, to the next generation. He says that for a thousand generations, I'm going to pass blessings on uh, for those who love me and keep my commandments. That, that if you follow Jesus, you lean into him, you trust him with your life, that he's saying, I'm going to give you a different baton. You don't have to pass what you received from your family down into the next generation. I want to give you blessings. That's not going to just go a couple generations, but for thousands of generations. And I wonder, I, I can't believe there'd be a single person in this room that if you knew there was an investment you could invest into that would have, pay out rewards for a thousand generations, who of us in here would not want that for our own families? Who wouldn't invest into that? Every one of us would want to. So today we're talking about starting a legacy that we're passing down through our families. And, and the truth about a legacy is a legacy has to begin somewhere, and it, it really it begins today. So today, if you're a father, this is going to be a message that's going to be incredibly helpful for you. If you've been fathered, this is going to be a message that will help you understand and appreciate the gift of fatherhood you've had in your own life. If you haven't been father, uh, it's our hope and our prayer that this could be a message where you could start to see some of the voids that, that God the Father wants to fill in your own life through the Holy Spirit and through putting other people around you. 
Maybe you're raising children without a father, and if, if that's the case, it's our hope and our prayer for you that, that you could start to see some of these areas that God desires to put people around your, your kids, whether it be youth pastors or coaches or, or an uncle or a grandfather, to start putting some of these areas around your family. So on this Father's Day, we really want to talk about passing this baton of legacy onto our kids. So if you're a grandfather, you're, you're a father here, we honor you today, and I just want to pray over you before we jump into these points. So Heavenly Father, we come into your presence today, and right now I pray that you'd get me out of the way. I pray I wouldn't be a distraction to what you want to teach and instill into us, but instead, God, I pray that you would just use me today, that you would speak to us, that you'd just reveal truth about yourself and how we can be people that pass a baton of legacy onto our family. So help us today, God, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, today I want to talk about five things that we can do, that five characteristics we see of our Heavenly Father that he wants to instill into us to pass into the generations that will come after us. And the first thing we see is this, a father is a protector. A father is a protector. See, a father is protective, and he's protective because he's concerned about your well-being. He cares about you, and it can be annoying. It can be really annoying. If you think back to when you lived at home, you can remember the times your father would ask questions like, you know, where are you going to be? Who are you going to be with? What time are you coming home? He'd ask all those questions, and it could be frustrating uh, when you're being father, but the truth is he's just being protective because a good father is protective. I remember hearing a quote from Jace Robertson from Duck Dynasty. And Jace Robertson said, I threw a shotgun shell at my daughter's boyfriend, and I told him after 10 p.m. it's going to hit him a lot faster. Are <laughs> you listening? <laughs> Why? Because fathers, we're, we're protective. We care about our children. We care about everything that's been placed under us. And a good father recognizes that everything I have came to me from God the Father. And if he, if he gave it to me and entrusted it to me, I have to be protective of it so I can say, God, I kept what you gave me and I kept it well. I took care of it and I, I, I'm trusting it back into your hands because, God, you're so protective of me, I'm going to be protective of them. And it's why the Bible says that... Um, that the, the father is the head of the household, or the husband is the head of the household, because what does that mean? The head is, is out in front. It, it's a protection. It's a covering. So if we were going through life and, and my family's behind me, whatever I face, whatever pressure hits me is going to hit me, and it's going to deflect off and not hit them. So there's pressure that I protect my family from on a daily basis, and, and, and we protect from enemies. We protect from trouble. We protect from fraud. We protect from stress. Don't you know that, that your fathers have protected you from so much stress? In fact, there's a lot of things that we won't come home and talk to our families about simply because it's my job to protect my family from certain things that stress me out. And I could have gone to work today and had a really bad day at work and be stressed about finances and all sorts of stuff like that. But when I come home, it's not my job to put my stress on my kids and on my family. It's my job to keep them from that. So I go out in front and I protect them from these things. Now, unfortunately, Many of us learn this too late about our fathers. And I've heard men who have lost their fathers, and when they have, they, they said, I didn't realize the amount of pressure I was going to come under, uh, under, the amount of weight I would come under once my father passed away. 
Because there were things he protected me from. There were things he, he prayed over our family about. And there, there was spiritual attack and warfare that took place that he was taking the hit on. So we never had to take the hit on it. We see a story in scripture that is very close to this. Where in 2 Kings chapter 2, there's a, a, a man by the name of Elisha. And he is serving a, a prophet by the name of Elijah. And this prophet Elijah is like a father figure to him. And, and there's a covering there. He's in behind him and he's being protected by Elijah. And then the Bible says that God took Elijah up into heaven. And when this took place, we see that Elisha here in, in 2 Kings, it, it, he's stressed out. And he's starting to pray things like, God, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on now. But like, are you, just like you got Elijah through some problems, are you going to get me through these problems? And he actually says four words that shows the state of his heart here in 2 Kings 2.14. It says, where is the Lord? And just by losing a father figure, it's like all of a sudden now he's feeling stuff that he's been protected from his entire life. And it, it, and it concerned him. It worried him. He's going, God, are you going to help me in this? Because I didn't realize I was going to come under so much pressure. little side note to this is that if you're raising a young man to be a father, you got to expose him to some trouble sometimes. You got to let him be exposed to trouble because as little boys, I mean, what we'll tend to want to do is kiss all the boo-boos, you know. If a little boy gets hurt and falls over, he, he runs up, kiss my boo-boo, kiss my boo-boo. But, but if you're going to raise a boy to be able to be a man and be a father, he's got to be exposed to some trouble sometimes so that when he's 30 years old and 40 and 50, he's not looking for someone to kiss his boo-boos when he faces a little bit of trouble. I joked about my father with this uh, many different times, but when I was a little boy, I can remember my, my father would be hard on me sometimes when it came to just like the little bumps and bruises of life. And I remember I was about five years old and I cut my finger and I came into my father and I was just crying. I'm like, Daddy, look at my finger. I hurt my finger. And he goes, let me see that. And he reaches out and pinches it. Oh! And I'm like, ah! And I jump back and like start crying. And then, and then I ended up running off and getting in my mom's lap and she kissed my boo-boo. That's why I'm a mother's boy, okay? Just so you you know, but as I began to grow up and grow a little older, I started realizing that, though that's a funny story, my father would expose me to, to, to trouble sometimes, to pain sometimes, because he needed me to learn that in being a protector, you're going to go out in front sometimes and take some wounds, and you got to be able to recognize that you're going to make it through without someone just trying to kiss your boo-boo. So... As a father, we see from our heavenly father, he's protective for us. That's something that he wants us to pass on to the next generation is a father is protective. The next thing we see is that a father is not just a protector, a father is a provider. Provision is more than just money. Father provides wisdom, friendship. He provides counsel and camaraderie. He provides perspective and insight. See, a father has a giving spirit. Your life should be fuller as a result of having a father in your life. Side note for any ladies in here that are looking for a husband. If he's stingy, don't marry him. Right? You say, but, but he's so sexy. Well, I'll tell you what. The six-pack, yeah, it looks good now, but that six-pack is going to go away. And if he's stingy now at 20, and he's set, when he's 70 and he doesn't have a six-pack anymore, he's still going to be stingy. And we see that the Bible shows us that, that as men, as fathers, we are to be providers. And that doesn't mean we're always going to make the most money in our household, but it means that we're in there and we're scratching out and we're helping however we can. 
The Bible says that we are created in the image of God. And one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh, which means my God who provides. My God is a provider. So he created us in his image to be providers. Man, you can look, just look at the anatomy of the way God created you. And by looking at your body, you understand that God created you to give, not to be a taker. To be a giver, not a taker. So if just physically he created you in that way, shouldn't that be a clue towards how he wants our hearts to become? That we should be someone who gives and not just takes. I'm, I'm adding to your life. I'm, I'm providing. I'm not taking away. I'm trying to make your life better. But then we hear people say, but, oh, daddy, we're in love. We're just going to get married. And say, well, does he have a job? Where's, where are you going to live? He says, well, we don't need it. We'll just we'll live off love. Well, that's cute, but you will starve to death. So we have to teach our sons, we have to teach the young men in this generation to be providers. There's a young man a couple of years back I was speaking to, and uh, he was talking about, I just, I need some money. I need some money for this and that and this and that. And I told me, go get a job. And, well, I can't get a job for this and that and this and that. And then go get a lawnmower and push. Well, I can't get a lawnmower for this. Then get a rake and rake your neighbor's leaves. And I finally, like at first I was frustrated, but then I realized I had to take a moment and just teach this young man that like, that life isn't easy and no one's just going to hand you things. you got to get out there and work. And a good father is someone who knows i got to get out and work because I have a responsibility to provide. Just like my heavenly father provides for me, I need to provide for my family. And I'm going to pass that baton of provision onto my family. Family as well. So a good father is, he, he's a protector, he's a provider. And number three, a father is a promoter. A father is a promoter. See, it's not about your family making you look good, it's about you making your family look good. It's about you giving your family every opportunity that you possibly can. We see that God the Father did this with Jesus in Matthew 17, 5. He promotes the son. He says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. So, so God, given an opportunity to speak to people about his son, he's saying, I'm, I'm promoting Jesus. You, you need to recognize this is my son. I love him. Listen to him. At some point in our lives, we've got to recognize that, that it's not all about you. It's about your children. It's about how you can promote them and move them forward. And at some point in our lives, we've got to recognize that every battle you fight is not necessarily about you. Sometimes when you're attacked by the enemy, the enemy's not trying to just mess with you. I mean, you've already got your dysfunctions. You've already got your quirks. You've already got your problems, right? Sometimes when the enemy is attacking you, he's attacking you because he's trying to get you to mess your kids up. Because like, he, he knows uh, about generational curses and blessings, and he thinks, if I could just get you to mess your kids up, then, then I could get you to pass a bad baton on your kids, and maybe they'll pass it on to their kids. And he's trying to get us to harm our families. And somewhere along the way as a promoter, we got to say, no, 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 the buck stops here. Though I saw my dad do it that way, though I saw my grandparents do it that way, I'm not giving this baton to my kids. I'm giving them something different. And just like we see the Heavenly Father promoted his son as, as fathers, we need to promote our next generation to give them every opportunity we possibly can. The fourth thing that a father is is the father is a priest. A father is a priest. See, in the Bible, the, the, the father was priest over his home. that He led his family to, 
to worship God, to pray, to speak to him. And in fact, the Bible refer in the Bible God refers to himself as I am God the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we see that in the Bible God dealt with Abraham until Isaac became a man and then he dealt with Isaac. And then he he dealt with Isaac until Jacob became a man, and then he began dealing with Jacob because God dealt with the patriarchal position of the father of priest over his home. This is why it's so important that a father acts as a priest, that, that, that he teaches his family to pray, teaches his family to love God. That, that, that Naming children is so important here too, where he, he teaches us to teach our kids to love God. We see that Noah is a perfect example of this where after the flood, you've heard the story of Noah and the ark, and after the flood, when the ark touched dry ground and Noah came out onto dry ground, the very first thing that Noah did is he went and he built an altar. And you think, okay, logically, let's think about this for a minute. This is a survival situation. Um, if I was in this situation, probably the first thing I'd do is I'd start looking for shelter. I'd start looking for fresh water. I'd start looking for other ways to take care of my family. But the Bible says the very first thing Noah did is he went and he built an altar. Because he was setting a precedence in this family of saying, in our family, we put God first. Before anything else, we have to have a place carved out in our lives where we're going to worship God, where we're going to talk to him, where we're going to offer ourselves to him. We're going to love on him because he is first and foremost in everything. Noah stood as the priest over his family. He taught him to love God. He taught him to pray. As a father, you must have a prayer life. You have to have a life where you go to God and you talk to him every day. Not just coming to church on a Sunday morning. But every day, getting up and talking to God. The Bible says to cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. We need to be praying men. A little side note on prayer. Just, just, because, women, just because your husband doesn't pray the way you do doesn't mean he's not praying. It's because men and women pray different ways. And I love this. I love seeing how my wife prays. She's, uh, uh, she'll, sometimes I'll come home and she'll be out in the backyard and have like her iPod playing some worship music and she's got her hands lifted up. She's dancing in the backyard, praying and talking to God. And it's awesome. It's beautiful. But my prayer life looks a little bit different than that. And, and the truth is, a lot of women will talk to God about how they feel. God, I feel sad today. I feel emotional today. And a lot of, uh, and it's not a bad thing at all. It's just a lot of women will talk to God about how they feel. And on the opposite end of that, where a, a woman's going, God, I feel this way. I feel that way. Would you help me here? Uh, a man might just come to God and say, uh, God, I need $275 by Thursday. <laughs> I don't know where it's going to come from. So would you help me, God? And it looks completely different. And the point I'm trying to make here is that your prayer life doesn't have to look like anyone else's, but you have to have a prayer life. As a head over your house, you have to have a prayer life. As an individual who has a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to have a prayer life. So the Bible says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. The Bible also says in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Well, if I'm supposed to cast all of my cares on him, that means I'm letting go of it. I'm throwing it towards him. And it says that I should do that without ceasing. I should always do Why should I always pray without ceasing? It was because the world is going to keep putting problems on you without ceasing. 
You're going to find out problems that happen at your wife's work. You're going to find out problems that happen at your kid's school. You're going to find out problems that happen with your family. You're going to find out so many problems, and it's going to keep just getting piled up on you. And And God's word shows us that we were not created to be able to withstand all of the weight of all these carries, all these burdens we try to carry. So we're supposed to just, every time someone brings me something, Dan, I had a bad day at work today, this happened and that happened. Well, I can't do anything about it, so let's bring it to God. God, she had a bad day at work today, would you help her with this? And then my kids come home and they had a bully. Well, there's not much I could do about that, so God, help them with this bully. I pray you give them favor and cast that on God. Because if you don't do it, that all the weight of all these things will start to weigh on you so much to where you'll start to break. You'll get to a point of collapse. You'll start to burn out. It's why you go back to smoking. It's why you go back to drinking. It's why you go back to the internet. Is because you're carrying weight you should not be carrying. God says you got to have a prayer life. Second Chronicles 7 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. There's some of us in this room that you might feel like you have something that's standing between you and God. You might feel like that problem is sin. But really the problem is a lack of a prayer life. Because this verse shows us, I mean what we understand about Jesus shows us that the sin thing he's got taken care of for us. In a relationship with God, there's forgiveness, there's mercy, there's grace. We can come before him and confess our sins and be made right with him. So the sin thing's... It's, it's taken care of. He's saying, you got to humble yourself and come before me and pray. And if you're willing to do so, if you're willing to, to humble yourself and stand up like a man that way, then I'm going to pour out blessings on you. I'm going to heal your land. I'm going to help you in all of these ways that you've been struggling. I could start to make you, give you breakthrough. It comes by being a priest over our home. We see it from the Heavenly Father. We see that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is one who prays for us, that, that, that he cares for us. And in the same way, we take that same baton and we pray for our families and we teach our families to love God and we pass that on to the next generation. The last characteristic of a father that I want to talk about in this couple of minutes that we have left is that a father is a prophet. A father is a prophet. So we see first off, a father is a protector, a father is a provider, a father is a promoter, a father is a priest, and finally, a father is a prophet. He prophesies to his children. He tells his children who they are. A father doesn't speak to your predicament. A father speaks to your destiny. Well, see, that's not who you are. God didn't create you that way. God created you for better things. So uh, get back up and fight again because if you don't quit, you will win. God wants you to succeed. Fathers speak blessings and truth into their children's lives. And it's so important that we continue to prophesy the destiny that God has for our children into their lives. That we're, if no one else is willing to do it, we're the ones that are willing to speak truth into our children's lives. A lot of us in this room, maybe you had handed to you a a broken baton, a baton of negativity, a baton of hurtful words. But see, God gives us a different way. And God would allow you to turn things around for your family, even if negative things were spoken over you. There's a story in Genesis where we see um, Jacob and his wife, Rachel. Rachel 
uh, was going to give birth to Jacob's son. And we see that she was going through incredible pain in the birthing process. And she realized that she was going to die. So she's sad and she's hurting. And she has every right to be sad and hurting. But in the midst of, of this delivery, once the boy is born, she says, name him Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrows. And this is a horrible thing for her to speak over her son, but I think if we think about it, we can all imagine that she was going through such enormous amounts of pain and grief that we can't really falter for emotionally where she was at. I guess it's a side note for us to just be very careful in our own lives that when we go through pain, we don't try to pass that on to the next generation. But here she was in all of her pain. She named her son Ben-Oni, son of my sorrows, and then she died. And we see that later Jacob came in and saw that, that, that his son was born and he saw that his wife died and he mourned the death of his wife. He was so sad there. But then finally he finds out that she named the son Ben-Oni and he says, no. No, 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 we are not going to name the boy Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrows. I'm going to name him Benjamin, which means son of my strength, son of my right hand. There's destiny in this boy's life. And he began prophesying into his son and saying, you are not who you are in just a moment of pain, in just a moment of sorrow. There is destiny in your life. And we see that the story goes on that out of Benjamin's family, later we see the kings of Israel are born. So, this all happened simply because one man had the insight to see that it's my responsibility of the Father to speak prophetically into your destiny. And what I want to do in the time as we're closing today together is ask every person in this room to stand up with me. And if you bow your heads, I know that there's a lot of us here that you don't want to pass on a broken baton to your family. You don't want to pass on a broken baton to your kids. And maybe today is the day where you say the buck stops here. And not by force, not by just power or will where you say, I'm just going to be better. But by leaning into the Heavenly Father and reaching up towards what the Heavenly Father has for us. I believe every one of us in this room can grab onto something different. Can grab onto something better where... We can begin passing on legacy to our sons, to our daughters, to our grandkids. It doesn't matter if we've started this late in life. You can do it today because legacy begins today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you know that every one of our circumstances in this room are different. And we need help on so many different le levels in this room right now. But what we do know and what we do thank you for, God, is that you are a good father and that you give us an opportunity to be blessed and to pass that on to the next generation. So everything we covered today, God, I pray that you would instill it in us and help us to be the types of fathers that you want us to be. I pray for the fatherless in this room that we would start to draw these things from you, Holy Spirit. That you would fill those voids in our life. That we would not pass on curses to the next generation. So God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for this Father's Day. And we thank you for so many wonderful fathers in this room that should be commended today. God, we love you. Help us to look like you more when we leave here. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's give our good father a shout of praise. He's good.